Blog Talk Radio. Another day, another chance. everybody and welcome to Riding the Wave with Mark Healy. I am Mark Healy, your host, uh, and this is Riding the Wave and it's the podcast for the Wave, the Wave newspaper, which is Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. And joining us this morning is Queensborough uh, President Candidate Joanne Ariola. Good morning, Joanne. How are you? Good morning, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Well, you know, it's a rainy Monday, so what better way to, you know, get the old energy going by doing one of these uh, Podcast, I know certainly forced me to be awake and alert uh, <laughs> on a day that you just want to stay in bed. But you know, the coffee's brewing, so we're all good. So, um, first of all, uh, the first question is why, why do you, as someone who has been running the Queens GOP for quite some time now, uh, why did you decide to run for Queensborough president? So, I, I don't think it's ever been more important to have a candidate who's committed to win for Queensborough president, considering the climate that our city and our borough is, are in. And as you know, the, the, bar, the, uh, the county supported Jim Quinn, and he chose not to go further through to November after the special election was canceled, and, and all those things happened because of COVID-19. And honestly, the, I, I, there was no way I couldn't run. I had to run. I'm a wife. You know me, Mark. I'm, I'm a Queens resident. I'm a wife, a mother, a grandmother. And like so many other people, I became so concerned. It's apart from my, my, my affiliation with the party. It's about me being a person living in Queens and knowing that if things don't change, we're going to have to move. I mean, the small businesses are closing. Uh, property taxes are skyrocketing. The, the crime is skyrocketing. Shootings is skyrocketing. We don't have anybody in our borough that's going to say no. So I felt that I had an obligation to run. And I did. I threw my hat in the ring and I have been running hard. I've raised the money. I'm, my message is out there and I'm out there in every corner of the borough. You know, I, I, I want to see Queens flourish. I don't want my grandchildren to have to leave the borough or the state in order to be safe or to be able to afford to stay. Because you see right now, what we lack most of all, besides education and, 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 and what's going on with, uh, with our property taxes, we lack public safety. And without that, we have nothing. You know, you, you bring about a lot of uh, different issues there. So I, I wanna kind of hit them one at a time. Uh, and also throw in the fact that, um, you know, your opponent has said that your campaign uh, Donovan Richards, your your uh, the Democratic nominee, 
uh, have said that your campaign is divisive because you're focusing on on negative things. What what do you answer? What, what's your answer to that? Uh, well, what I say to that is, what else can he say when he's part of the problem that we're in right now? He voted to close Rikers Island. He's in favor of bail reform that has gone way too far. He's he's in favor of community prisons. He's in favor of community uh, halfway houses and community shelters. What else can he say? I say he's created the divisiveness. I think right now the divisiveness is between New Yorkers, those who want public safety and those who want anarchy. And I think Donovan Richards has really chosen his side. You know, uh, here's the other thing too. Um, when you're, you talk a lot about legislative issues, you know, things that you know Donovan has done as councilman or uh, things that he's not done and certainly, um, I think we all know that the Queensboro president position is not one that has a lot to do with uh, legislation, if anything. Uh, certainly, you have influence. Uh, if you are elected, you will have some influence over those issues for the borough that you represent. But how can a Queensboro president uh, really affect those kinds of changes when they don't really have a lot of power when it comes to, you know, when it comes to you know, writing a law or initiating, you know, uh, something in, in, in legislative session. How does a Queensborough president have any effect on those issues? So, see, that's kind of a misnomer because the, the borough president can sign on to legislation with a city council, with a city council member, like, like say, Eric Ulrich, our city council person, or Bob Holden, who are very strong law and order proponents. So I can, as borough president, sign on to legislation and have it introduced by a council member. And on a state level, I can be an advocate, and that's what's lacking right now. There's no advocate in the borough president's office that's advocating for what we want in our communities. Everything in our communities are being usurped. I think a lot of things would be more welcome in the communities if it weren't just forced on our communities. And right now, there isn't anyone that's saying no, and I don't believe that Donovan Richards would say no to everything that's coming down the pike through executive orders and you know pop-up hotel de Blasios and homeless shelters within our communities and the public and, and just the, the lack of the lack of quality of life that we've we've grown to enjoy through 20 years of Giuliani and Bloomberg that has just been destroyed because of all the, the irresponsible policies that have been pushed through the city council by Richards and, and de Blasio. So, you know, I mean, those are the things that the borough president should be addressing and can address. And I think that if you have someone in the borough president's seat that is going to say no and will support legislation and sign on and will be an active advocate in the state, then we could see things change. You know, it's it's funny. Uh, you, I, this wasn't in my list of questions, but you made the connection between uh, the councilman and uh, the mayor, uh, De Blasio. Uh, it's pretty obvious that De Blasio is not really popular in in uh, in Queens. Maybe in some little pockets, but I think overall, I think that especially here in Rockaway, uh, that there are a lot of folks that don't agree with uh, the de Blasio policies that don't agree with, with uh, how um, or you know, how he hasn't run the city uh, during his tenure. Uh, also, voter turnout uh, for his reelection uh, was terrible. I mean, 25% of the registered voters showed up to vote. That meant 75% of the people stayed home. So 
if, if you just aligned Donovan Richards with Mayor de Blasio, so, I mean, is it, is it, is it, is it a good idea for Queens to ally itself with uh, an incumbent mayor who's so unpopular? And do you think that uh, it's good or bad for Queens to have uh, a, a borough president who's going to align themselves with whoever wins, uh, you know, the, 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 the mayoral race uh, in 2021? So here's what I think. I think that Mayor de Blasio, I think the one thing everyone can agree on, New Yorkers in general, is that he's doing a terrible job, right? And I think that Donovan Richards is in lockstep with his, his policies. So, and, and yes, it was poor voter turnout because people were very disgusted and saying, we, we just can't change things. But what we've tried to do is put a message out there that says, if you don't vote, then you cannot change things. And that's why we're seeing such high numbers in just what the, the absentee voters, that the absentee applications that were sent in for absentee voting. And just in two days of early voting, just Queens I'm talking about, over 40,000 people voted. I think people are fed up. I think it's less about enrollment and more about the person. I think they're fed up with, any, with anyone who would agree that it's okay to just wake up one morning and find a homeless shelter in the Rockaways so close to, uh, to schools or, or to churches or to shopping centers or in Fresh Meadows where the Wyndham Hotel turned into a halfway house because with people who were put out of Rikers Island that were sex offenders and drug dealers. This was never brought before any of the community boards. And in fact, the community boards in all of the, all of the different uh, portions of this borough that have those types of, of, of establishments fought against it. We can no longer have a borough president that allows the community to be usurped. We need to say, look, the community board represents the community's opinions, the council person, the, the assembly people, such and such and such. We cannot have the city government or the state government usurp what we want. Because honestly, we're the people that are constituents. We're the ones that are supposed to be representing. And right now they're not representing us. They're doing what they want to do. It's more of a political statement than a public service to the constituents that they, that they represent, excuse me, represent. Right, right. Uh, you know, and here's, here's the other thing too. Um, when, I, when I look at uh, the field for uh, Queensboro president, you know, I see yourself, I see Donovan Richards, I see Dow Yin. Uh, you know, from the Red Dragon Party. I'm sure I'm missing a couple of people that got themselves on the ballot. Um, but but I, I think that the question, um, look, it's been very difficult for anyone to campaign right now. You know, given the restrictions with COVID-19, uh, you, you weren't even able to come in. And usually that's what we do. We have, we have the Queensboro president or whoever's running for office come into the wave, sit right. down with us, with the editorial board, then we do an interview. So it's been, it's been hard on everyone, uh, not just uh, the candidates running for office, but it's also uh, prevented you from really meeting, uh, you know, with the public meetings for the community board 14, uh, mm -hmm. for different civics that can have, you know, some civics are meeting, some aren't. It's really, uh, I think, been very difficult for you to campaign. So how is Joanne Ariola reaching voters, especially since, uh, your opponents have out, you know, uh, have out raised, uh, you know, I'm sure there's a word that's escaping me right now. I haven't had enough, <laughs> enough coffee this morning. Uh, they've raised a lot more money than you have. 
uh, as far as this yeah. campaign, campaign fundraising. So right. the challenges that you're facing are pretty significant. So how have you been able to address those obstacles? So, so in, uh, for, the, for, the, for the primary, Donovan Richards did raise quite a bit of money. But in, since the general, I have outraised him in every period. And I, I now have, um, we've raised well over a half a million dollars where he's under $20,000 um, $20, that he raised in physical dollars. So for the general portion, we've, our campaign has seriously outraised him in each and every period. What are we doing with that? So what we're doing is you're right, it's a challenge, but it's an obligation for me to meet the, the, the voter. So what we've done is we've upped the direct mail that we're sending out. Everybody's online now. So we're doing a lot of digital and digital ma uh, email. We're doing a lot of digital ads. We're doing Facebook posting. We're uh, sponsoring and boosting and, and Instagram and Twitter. And we really, I appreciate people like yourself that are hosting these type of podcasts on Zoom because that gives us another chance to really get our message out. Civic associations have not been meeting, but a few of them did on Zoom. And I made sure that I attended each and every one of them. My opponent didn't do that. He went to maybe ones that maybe were a little more safe for him because of who was running it. But I will tell you this, I went to each and every one of them that I was invited to and shared my message. And the one thing I'll tell you, Mark, is that no matter what the community is, Rockaway, Howard Beach, Laurelton, Springfield Gardens, it doesn't matter. Everyone wants public safety. Everyone wants more cops. No one was in favor of defunding the cops. It's a bad idea. And, and because of that, we're seeing so much bloodshed in the streets. We're seeing the, the, that police, a very anti-police, you know, sentiment out there. It's just Everything that Donovan Richards has voted for and agreed with in policy has destroyed this city. I, as one, do not want to see him further destroy the borough or to continue to walk in lockstep with the mayor. I think putting Donovan Richards at Borough Hall is the same as putting de Blasio at Borough Hall. Could be even worse. You know, I, you know it's funny. Um, when Melinda Katz was the Queensborough president, and, and she's the only... Queensboro president I ever worked with, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and, and her and her interim Sharon Lee. I think both of them uh, did a pretty good job of of keeping the office apolitical, meaning that while they were Democrats, while they did certainly um, you know take advantage of that uh, when uh, when it suited them, you know, and I, I mean I don't mean that in a negative way. I'm just saying that you know they were able to maybe do some things. Uh, being Democrats in a Democrat-dominated uh, city, uh, eight to one, I believe, is the ratio between registered Democrats and registered Republicans. I think that she really followed the Goldfeder, Phil Goldfeder model of, you know, as long as you are representing the community that you were elected to, uh, politics become secondary to the people, right? right. And, right. and I think that uh, Eric Ulrich, the councilman, has, uh, is another uh, perfect example of someone who uh, has aligned himself uh, on issues rather than uh, party. And, uh, and, and he has a record of bipartisan uh, cooperation. So I guess what I'm saying is, is that what would you do if you are elected as Queensborough president uh, to, you know, not just be the Queensborough president of the people that voted for you, but be the Queensboro president 
of the borough to represent the borough and, and how would your leadership uh, be be a kind of be a kind of candidate, be a kind of Queensborough president that would bring those divisive factions together? Well, as I said earlier, I'm not running as a leader in a Republican Party or even a member of the Repu Republican Party. I'm running as a person who thinks that this city needs to be saved. And that's, that's our independent line, with the Republican, conservative, and the state of our city line. And then throughout my 30-year career, Mark, I have worked across the board. I've worked for council members that were Democrats. Republican. I worked for the two, as I mentioned, the two mayors that, but they were Republican. Um, also in my capacity um, at, at the hospital network I work in, I'm the director of government outreach and community outreach. I have worked throughout this borough and the city with elected officials from both sides of the aisle. And I've never, ever asked anyone who called me what their enrollment was when they, they needed me to do something for them. I just saw the need and I address the need. And that's what, because, because don't forget also I'm a civic leader, I'm a civic president. I'm a natural advocate. That's what I want to bring to Borough Hall. I've been able to achieve a lot working for elected officials, working in the private industry and being an advocate for my community. I wanna now take that up another notch and take it to Borough Hall where I can be a borough president for everyone. And that's my tagline, Mark. I, when elected, I wanna be a borough president for everyone. I don't think it matters you know, what your enrollment is. If a person is in need and they come to you for help, that's why you were elected. You were elected, you become their employee and you work for them. And when you start to work for yourself, then you need to get another job. The, the, um, the other thing uh, that I think any, you know, any candidate has to have, at least as far as Rockaway is concerned, is some Rockaway connections. You know, right. uh, certainly uh, people uh, that have, I've spoken to certainly uh, from Breezy, from Neponset, from Bell Harbor, from uh, Rockaway Park, Rockaway Beach, you know, uh, Arvern, uh, certainly Edgemere and, and Far Rockaway. You know, Rockaway is a diverse place with a lot of different people coming from different places with different viewpoints, right? So how does Joanne Ariola uh, want to reach all those different neighborhoods? How have you been able to, I mean, again, with COVID restrictions, it's been difficult to be at in-person events, but, you know, obviously throughout the years, you know, with Howard Beach being so close to Rockaway, what are some of, where are some of the places that you've been, uh, you know, where, where has Joanne Ariola kind of concentrated uh, her Rockaway roots? So, I, look, I started with being educated at Stella Maris, right? So that's where my roots began. And it continued all the way through. My grandson is a, is a, a student at Scholars Academy. He's remote learning now. But, you know, I, throughout this campaign, I've been from the point, from Rockaway Point all the way through to the, the, the five towns border. And I've either met via Zoom or safely in person and, and really tried, you know, under, make them understand that, that I've, I've been active throughout all the years, you know, in the Rockaway community. I mean, most recently, I was able to, to secure through the city council $40,000 for a learning garden at Scholars Academy. Now, that wasn't in, in the newspapers because it was something I did from my heart, right? But there are things that I've done. I'm very active in different things that are happening. Like right now, you know, 
with the, the traffic light over at Reed and Empire that's creating havoc. You know, I'm going down there today just to, to show that, show the mayor, like, why wasn't there community input on this? Why, why wasn't the, you know, community board and the community input was negative towards it? Why do we have it? So I guess that's part and parcel of what they can see. When I worked for Noah Fear, we, we absolutely changed the, the whole narrative underneath um, the L in, on, on Rockaway Freeway by, by you know, lessening the, um, the, the lanes and that stopped all the accidents. My, my history with the Rockaways has never stopped. It has been continuous and, and it will always be continuous. We've held, we've held events in the Rockaways um, and, and you know, the Rockaways will always be near and dear to my heart. And I want to be able to give more to the Rockaways. Since I started in this business back in 92 when Alf Stabile first wanted to run. And we were always looking for this Rockaway Renaissance, the Rockaway Renaissance. Well, guess what? It's here. And I don't want to see it ruined by shuttered, shuttered stores and restaurants and, and our wonderful ferry that I utilize myself, being maybe the, the, um, the subsidy for it being removed and then it being unaffordable. I don't want to see the beautiful Rockaway Hotel closed because we don't have any tourism coming down in. I don't want to see us have too few police because, because of the renaissance that we're having, we're gonna have more people interested in coming. And if we have less police, we won't have public safety for our beautiful communities that are throughout the peninsula. So, so that's where I remain active. I remain active in, 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 in the uh, precinct councils and throughout the borough in my capacity at, at the hospital and, and while I work for both mayors. So, I mean, you know, I might not live on the Rockaway Peninsula, but I still got fans in my toes. Uh, just one last question for me, sure. uh, and, and I will I would add to that uh, to editorialize for a moment. The first time I met you when I came to Rockaway, that came to the Wave, uh, was my first year. Uh, was actually had been here a couple of months. This is the first time I met you. It was uh, uh, down on Beach 108th Street for a, uh, night, a night out against crime. Right. Although I I think you're not supposed to call it that anymore, but that's when I first met you. Uh, was so so and and certainly at many events since so I, I've certainly seen you in Rockaway. Um, I just wanted to add that in there because I, I as you were speaking I said yeah that's when I met her I met her in Rockaway. Um, here's the other thing too and I, I think this is important and probably not enough people have been asking this so I'm going to ask it because I deal with CB14 all the time. You know obviously as the Queensboro president if you're elected you will have the ability to then appoint people. Uh, to Community Board 14. Uh, and depending on who you talk to, CB14 is either really great or it needs a major overhaul. So as, as the Queensboro president, uh, A, what do you know about CB14? And B, uh, how would you, uh, I, guess in a, I guess in a summarizing way, um, how would you then deal with A, appointments and term limits and all the different things that people have been bringing up over the last several years about how the community board, how the community board, specifically community board 14, can then, you know, basically, you know, do a better job of getting things done. Because the last few projects, Edgemere Commons, uh, the homeless shelter on Beach 101st Street, uh, the recommendations from the community board have not been heard. So how is Community Board 14, how as you as Queensborough President would improve that situation? 
So Ed, I don't, if you may or may not know, I sit on community board 10. So I know the intricacies of the community board from the inside. And I've worked with community board 14 over the span of 30 years. And I'll tell you this, I think that a lot of the, a lot of the power that community boards had was removed from them, you know, and, and, and so they were, became an advisory council. So, and, and I know that a lot of times their advice is absolutely ignored and that the city does exactly what they want. So that would be something that I would stand up for, that community boards and their recommendations needed to be taken more seriously, number one. Number two, it's very difficult to get people to want to go on the community board because they feel that it's just a waste of their time one, one night a, you know, a, a month that goes in because they don't feel anything gets accomplished. I want them to understand that they do get, they will be able to get things accomplished and that we need to have the community board, each community board reflect the demographic and the ethnicity of the, of the board that it represents. Okay, so what do we do? We have to do more outreach, Mark. There's not enough outreach. We have to find new people to join community boards. I'm not in favor of term limits only because I think it's hard to find people. So you don't want a community board to have no one on it. So I, I'm not in favor of that, but I'm in, I'm in favor of, of really, you know, harvesting and having a deep bench of people that want to come on that have backgrounds in, at architect, um, um, law, education, you know, law enforcement backgrounds, things like that. People who are civic leaders involved in their Kiwanis clubs, you know, things like that, where, you know, they really have, they're invested, people who are stakeholders in their community. And, but I want to also, and I did this with one, as the county chairwoman, I, I, I really looked for younger people to join because, you know, we want new ideas. We do them in my civic as well, want new ideas. So I would really, I would really push for more uh, professionals and people who are involved in their communities because of their background, people who are deeply rooted in their communities and really push for outreach, not just hit the link or make mention of it, but do a full outreach plan like we do for voter enrollment or the census or anything and really explain that if you become part of the community board, you can become part of the solution and not just be, you know, squawking from the sidelines about what the problems are. Just in closing, uh, you know, how do people keep track of what you're doing and how can they support your campaign, Joanne? So we have a website. It's Joanne Ariola, J-O-A-N-N, no E, A-R-I-O-L-A dot com. I'm on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and every time you go online, you should be seeing a link to, uh, to something about me. And if you're not, let me know. <laughs> I have to call our digital guys. <laughs> okay, Joanne. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, good luck you. with the rest of your campaign. And good luck on election day. And uh, hope to see you soon. I appreciate it. I just would like to say that given the chance to fight for this borough, I will. I think it's worth fighting for. For us, our kids and our grandkids. We want to be that borough president for everyone. Mark, thank you. Thank you. Take care. Take care now.